0: I'm seeing some comments in here that are uh, sort of about the like 86 collectibles and Mike Camel talking about like the monopoly. And I think that I think you guys and, and the hobby in general is is misdirecting a lot of your frustration in terms of these single licenses. You're misdirecting it, at I believe. So take this for you. You don't have to believe me, but but this is my thought and I'm entitled to it, right? Is that you're misdirecting your frustration at, say, fanatics or at, say, a group breaker. To, and, and single licenses have been the way since 2000 and, you know, 9, 10 in that era, you know, across the sports. I think the real frustration should be directed or is more reasonably directed at the leagues, at the licensors. At the leagues and the PAS, they are the ones who are saying we only want one licensee in, in in the in the sports card category. That's all they want. So, does it not make sense in a in a, if you love a, if you love living in a, in a free the free America if you love America or if you love Canada you love North America, then you have to understand you live in a capitalistic society and that the people with the most entrepreneurial spirit are going to and 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 the most ability to to convince and to negotiate are going to try and get that single license. And that just happens to be fanatic. So it doesn't matter, Steven and everyone got, if it's fanatics that has it or Panini or tops or upper deck or leaf or some new company coming in, you guys are going to be frustrated with that company, no matter who they are. And if you, you have to, you have to get that into your heads that the frustration is with, I believe the wrong group. It should be with the leagues. And if you have, if you really have an issue with it, you know, take it to those licensors. Take it to the people who are making the decision that an, that, a mon- that a monopoly, I, I air quote it, because as, I'll, I'll I'd rather use the term that a single license is the way to go. That's I mean, who you should be taking your frustration out with, I believe. Not fanatics, not on that topic. If you have issues with how fanatics is doing things. That's another that's another question that's another story or upper deck or panini or tops what do you what do you think of that steven am i am i barking up the wrong tree or does that make sense to you
1: no i agree with that and then i also want to say like you get uh, we're gonna have all the players under one product like don't you want to open up a basketball product where you have a chance of lebron james autographs you know you don't you want to open up tops chrome football like everyone has to pick and choose and right now we're doing prism doesn't have you know cj stroud autos or whatever like it could all because at the end of the day those companies are going to fight with each other and someone's going to always have someone someone else doesn't have i think it hurts the end collector at the end of the day you know if you're a, a purist should all be uniformed and it should all just be you know this is what they are and all the players are under the same type of umbrella
0: yeah i mean I, i you know it's uh upper deck having mj and having lebron for so long that was part of their i believe survival after they lost basketball and football and baseball and it's like we still have two of the big the two of the biggest athletes of all time under our umbrella and we can do other things with them But the collectors of those, and it's funny because, you know, the the basketball collectors specifically as far as Jordan and LeBron go, you know, on one hand, they're frustrated that they can't get LeBron and Jordan. And I think it's the sellers that are probably more frustrated than the buyers that they can't get those autographs. Whereas the people who've been collecting LeBron and Jordan autographs for many, many years don't want that to happen because they want their cards to remain valuable there's a lot of concern amongst lebron collectors right now that with fanatics getting lebron and more lebron licensed lebron autos entering the marketplace that those old upper deck autos may go down in value uh what do you think what do you think of that the potential for that and that that discussion
1: i mean yeah for sure like first to the market lebrons right now are gonna definitely go for more than you know they produce LeBron's for the next five years, tops. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be easy to hit LeBron's. You know, so how many Brady's were you able to hit in Panini products? He was very scarce. So I think they're, it's not going to really hurt as much as those people think it's going to hurt their current autographs. So They're not going to be flooding the market with Jordan Autos. You know, it's going to kind of be like short printed to five. Let's pull one of these. And it's like a grail hit.
0: And that's what Upper Deck's been doing with Gretzky. I mean, even though there are plenty of Gretzky autos out there, because they, you know, it's a big it's a big draw for the product, but they do they're they're not flooding the market with them, which I think is good. Uh foul five all says, did the leagues just want one license? No, actually they did. The, the 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 insider information I've heard is that the leagues did want one license, so they didn't have to deal with more than one. So um, yeah, they did. And it's on them the competition is not. Is not present uh, between uh, within each uh, each of the sports uh, for sure. Uh, there's some talk about a, an unopened case of 1979 OPG hockey. Someone asked if, uh, if if fanatics will buy. It. I don't think I don't think you're. This is the right show for that question. Are you even aware of that it exists? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, we'll just skip that. We'll just <laughs> skip that um altogether. Uh okay. All right, let's uh let's let's talk about repacks because the repack thing is another kind of controversial topic as of late, Stephen, where a lot of breakers have my understanding have moved over to the repack because maybe the breaking business hasn't been as good or they're not getting allocation. And then there then there's the issues around repacks of are they transparent and are, you know, Is it really fair? You know, how, how, first of all, what have you guys done as far as repacks? I have a whole bunch of questions here. They are all in there first. Okay. So what have you guys done for repacks? And, and in this group of questions, I'll also kind of say like, did you need to move to repacks or is it something that you guys have done because it's just another revenue stream, another way to get product out there?
1: All right. So, when we first started doing repacks, like, it's a learning process, right? There's no regulation. Again, there's no um, rule book on how to do it. So the first thing we did that I would say we did wrong was not having a checklist. No one has checklists really for the repacks, but we now have a checklist, um, which is really, I think, should be the standard in the hobby. If you have a repack, there has to be a checklist because you could be chasing a card that doesn't even exist. Um, number two, to address your second part, we didn't do it because we felt it was another revenue stream or we had to, um, we felt like it added value to the breaks, um, that we were doing because a lot of times, you know, you could open up a case of Bowman Chrome and the best cards, 300 bucks. But if we're throwing in a $500 box or a $500 box, you know, you're guaranteed just out of that one box, you're guaranteed a card that's minimum hundred fifty bucks with the upside of in our current line ten thousand or twelve thousand, whatever it is. So in our run, there's a thousand cards. Obviously, there's one car that's worth twelve thousand. There's a Ruth cut in there. but so the odds, but there's still better odds probably than you hitting the Brady twelve of fifty, right? You know, there's only a thousand boxes. So we felt like it was just a way to add value. So someone was leaving the break guaranteed with something of value, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to this question from 86 collectibles. What happens if 90% of the hobby doesn't like the product that comes out? We have no other companies to support. Not saying this will happen. Just saying if. And I mean, I can, I just want to take a stab at that first, Stephen. And this goes back to the the whole like single license thing. Um, It's not going to happen. It's it's not gonna happen. We've been through we've been through it enough now where nobody liked Panini Prism when it came out in twenty twelve. Yet look at it now. So, I mean, quite simply, it's just it's not even worth discussing, in my opinion, because it's and the other thing when it comes to to fanatics is that they acquired tops, and tops has been making cards for 70 years. So I think I think part of them acquiring tops was in order. To mitigate the risk that they that they don't put out product nobody likes, because if we acquire a brand that's been around a while and a lot of the people, a lot of the IP, we're really mitigating that risk. So I don't think it's going to happen. And if it does, what's going to happen? Well, then it's going to fix itself. Why? Because if no one buys the product, the royalties are going to be are going to go down, are going to re, are are going to come down that are going back to the leagues and the PA's, and then they're going to have to find a way to fix that because they're going to want to you know regenerate that money. So that's what happened. That might be the best thing for people who want there to be more than one license is that, but the problem is in this hobby, we've learned the hobby doesn't speak with its wallet. It wants to speak with its wallet. It will, it will bitch and complain non-stop, but they're, they never generally speaking, they never speak with their wallet. So it's just, it's just not going to happen. And because the hobby doesn't speak with its wallet, we're except that they just empty it. We're probably going to be in the single licensee era for a very long time. Are my thoughts? Anything? Anything to add to that, Stephen?
1: I, I mean, I think this is just the beginning. Like, where it's gonna happen when? Within eighteen months, right? Is that when Panini's license is up? I think
0: it's coming up. It's around yeah. the corner. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. my, it, we're just—it's inevitable now, and. Yeah. No no point of even complaining about it <laughs> at this point.
0: Yeah. Either either adapt into it or put your put your money and attention and, and passion elsewhere because that's where you are uh right now. You know, plus you have 140 years of, of of sports cards in the past that you could also uh go back to and continue to collect. I want to touch one more thing on repacks because you said something good and there's some comments in the chat. I agree. I I think there's two things to make a repack bulletproof. One is full transparency. So transparency of the checklist. So if there's a, if it's a 50 card product, 50, I had a 50 repack product, 50 packs available, here's all 50 cards. And I'm going to sell them one at a time, but I'm not going to open them on my live stream channel until they're all sold. So if you buy the first one, you better be prepared to wait until I sell that 50th one. And then I'm opening them all. Uh, on one broadcast, one live stream, all 50 packs, one live stream, so that everybody can see that all 50 of those cards on the checklist came out of that pack. To me, that makes for a bulletproof repack product and system. What do you think of that?
1: So I, in theory, yes, I, I do agree. And I like the idea. It's just when you're trying to do a run or you're just trying to use them to throw into breaks as like a juicer for the break to add value to the break, then it becomes hard. I think though, everything needs to be opened up on stream. Can't sell anything through the website ship sealed. Can't sell anything in your storefront. Like it all has to be traceable. Right. So if someone's like, Hey, that card never came out, be like, mm, let's go back. Cause we know that card was hit on stream. Um, The checklist is definitely um, very important. But then also back to the regulations, Like, like any company making their own product, you can rig it, right? Like you definitely can rig it. So it comes down to reputation. You have to be able to trust them, have to be able to like believe that they're not rigging it. And then like it wouldn't be the worst thing to have a third party. Like you curate it, you make your checklist, and then you have somebody do the packing that has nothing to do with you. So nobody in your company knows where anything is. Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, we have a room we produce the repacks in. And it's like, subconsciously, I have an idea of the vicinity that that case is, you know? So it's like, I send my guys in there. I'm like, somebody go pick a case. Because, like, I'm not doing it, you know? Because, like, if I don't pick that case, it's even worse. Because, like, I, if I go to the left because I think it's on the right, it's even worse. Because it's like, I'm, you know? So it's like, it's <laughs> almost better to get somebody to regulate it. An outside party where they just pack it they bring it back and it's like here's your cards
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a good idea for sure i think that's a that that just that's an, another another bullet point to add to to the list i started there of you know how to make uh, a, a a repack product bulletproof. uh michael says is fanatics going to favor their live breakers over hobby shops on on unopened product? I mean, I, you're not, you're obviously not qualified to answer this, but I'll put it out there for discussion anyway.
1: Um, I, like you kind of have to look at where's more of the product selling, right? There it's, I would guess if I'm running the business, like I'm sent, sending the product to where most of it's going to sell. So if a hobby shop wants 50 cases, but they can move 10, that's like back to what I was talking about the wild west. People were getting cases they couldn't even sell, but they were flipping them. So, like, how's that helping the hobby? You know, the hobby shops allocated fifteen cases; they could sell two in store, but they're flipping the other thirteen to breakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing, right? So now it's like my hobby shop's complaining they're only getting X amount of cases. It's like, yeah, because they're not flipping them.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep going. Foul fireball says, "Uh, when Fanatics buys or puts Upper Deck out of business for the hockey license." Will you change your mind about fanatics, Jeremy? Uh no, I'm a I'm a logical thinker, foul five ball. I'm also a realist. So will I change my opinion? No, I probably I probably won't. Like, I love Upper Deck cards. I think I I personally think Upper Deck makes the best quality card. I think they're, they're the look and feel, the the weight, just the I, I think Upper Deck makes the best cards out there. Personally, now if fanatics were to buy upper deck and keep the the brands and keep the you know most of the people like they have with tops I believe I'm not sure I know they did for a while um you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna judge it at the time I can't say that right now because this this comment assumes it's gonna happen I'm not making that assumption I'm not making that I'm not even close to making that assumption if and when it happens yeah I'm gonna reserve the right to change my opinion I'm human I'm entitled to that uh but i'll understand it i will understand it because it's the way of the world and i'm also somebody who i like change and i adapt to, to change you you if you don't adapt to change um you know you're gonna be left behind in in, in in not just in the hobby but in life in the whole world you will be left behind if you cannot adapt to change so i mean that's how i live that's how i want to continue living. And um, and then what I'll do is if if I don't like the cards, I will not buy them. I don't buy modern product already. I wait. I wait a few years. You know, I see what I see how the players do. I don't prospect. I don't. I don't do any of that. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what comes with it. But you know, I understand that breaking and that modern product is a huge part of the hobby. I understand that fanatics is a huge part of the hobby right now. And I'm all. I'm very interested. And hopeful for the long term health of the hobby, but you know I'm one small voice. I don't have really I don't have a say in it. So I'm going to I'm going to adapt because I don't I don't have a vote. And even in 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 your your federal politics, yeah, you have a vote, and it's important. But if you vote one way or the other yourself, is that going to change the outcome? Um, you know, maybe, maybe maybe not. Did you want to jump in with something, Stephen?
1: Yeah, I just want to touch base. I see a lot of comments on the break comp thing. Um, So I just want to clarify. Like, I do think in theory, it's a very, it's a great idea. I think that they should, one thing they should do is kind of like make tiers, right? Because somebody selling a product on Fanatics compared to somebody selling it off platform, accepting Zelle payment, right off the bat, you can't compete with that, Right. And then it's also like you should have, you know, the breakers that are similar to each other, the bigger breakers, the operations, you know, because it kind of does. I see right now they're going to war with somebody, um, but it's just compare that person to the other breakers in their field. If that breaker is still grossly overpriced, they're grossly overpriced. But to compare, you know, a company with 25 employees or 15, 20 employees to a company that's one person with two cases, it makes that company look, it makes us sometimes look terrible. Like we'll be ranked like 28 out of 30, but it's like to a lot of people on that list, like we're within $200 of our, our quote unquote real competitors, you know? So like that's, that's one thing I think could be refined. Like you say, Hey, these are the guys, you know, the one-offs and then this is, you know, your top 10, the hobbies top 10, what they're priced at. I think that that's the one, right but i would say that can make it a little better
0: and with all these things like all all these discussion topics that we are that, that we are going through here tonight i think like you know whether it be whether it be you know group breaking at, at, just as a as a service in the hobby and how it's going the single the the, the single license the the fanatics coming in what they're doing and you know what All of these, the repack, all of these things, we have to understand, guys, we are in a transitional period here still. You know, the the hobby is in a transitional period. And until some of these things flush out and it's not going to it doesn't happen that fast. These things are going to take a couple of years, if not like five, five years. You know, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like. I'm I guess I'm a little bit more more patient. I'm also not pumping money into certain things so I can afford to be patient. I spend plenty of money in the hobby, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, we are in a transitional period. And you have to understand that, you know, the talk about regulation that we had earlier and some of this, some of these different things, the pricing models, these are things that are going to improve over time. But you're not going to just, like, blink your eyes, like I dream a genie, some of you might not know that reference, and, and eventually end up in a perfect world by all of your guys's, uh, you know, standards. By everyone out, by your standards, everyone out there, it's not just going to happen. It's going to take time to get there. Just like everything takes time to evolve and 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 you know, find its equilibrium and find it its its best, it's its best representation in the hobby. So there's but in during this transitional period we are very we're a very impatient hobby we're a very impatient society now right with instant gratification all that you know about that i mean you have to understand these things aren't going to happen right away and if you expect them to again you're you know you're 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 just causing yourself a lot of uh, a lot of frustration because you, it's not going to happen any other way now if it, if it never works itself out and i think the one thing we talked about you know Fanatics coming in and putting some standards on the group breakers that are under their umbrella, that is the step towards being better. I'm not saying everything Fanatics is doing is towards being better. I don't know. But that is a step towards evolving the hobby into an eventual state that is going to be better for the customers. And now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything they're doing is, is going to end up in that. And Fanatics is going to make mistakes along the way probably ha- they have made mistakes. They're going to make mistakes, but I feel like a company like that who has so much money on the line and they have to answer to investors, you know, they're going to fail fast. They're going to, you know, they're going to fail fast. They're going to, they're going to try and fix these things as fast as they can. And, um, and, and just rectify, rectify, you know, every entrepreneur, Steven, you had failures along the way before you started a filth bomb. You know, there's more failures than there are successes for almost every successful entrepreneur out there. And, Again, this is reality. It's just the way the world works. So um, comments to you after I've been speaking uh, there for a while, Stephen, please.
1: No, I, you just got to wait and see how it all shakes up. You know, um, there seems to be a storyline in place right now or people are going with the whole 10 xing the hobby is terrible, making you know, it's a joke. Um, you got to just wait and see because nobody did anything with the hobby until COVID. And then you just saw the tip of the iceberg of what was actually capable of the hobby. Right. Although it was unregulated. It was just, I keep saying the wild west, but that's what it was like. There were, there was so much potential and now it's going to take five years, 10 years before we're actually able to get it to what, I mean, fanatics has the money and, but you could have the same vision without having that money. Like, you know what the potential is of the hobby, right? Like, you know what it's capable of. You know what it could be. It's just Fanatics has a bankroll to, you know, do it.
0: And 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 they are doing it. Uh, Michael says, I wouldn't mind seeing some new Opichi Chrome refractors again. Well, that's what Opichi Platinum is. That is <coughs> that is your Opichi Chrome. Uh, he also says, I think a lot of collectors feel like big business is taking control of their hobby and don't like it. I gotta tell you, they're they're just I I mean fair enough that they're seeing it that way. Panini was a big business. Panini is a is a owned by Panini out of Italy, Panini America owned by Panini out of Italy. Big business. Topps has been in business uh for you know 75 years. Upper decks, and these aren't these aren't multi, huge conglomerates, but these are big business. and topps is owned by, by Disney. That's big business. Now it's owned by Fanatics. I'm not sure which company is bigger, Fanatics or Disney. I'm thinking Disney might be bigger but I could be wrong I could be way off on that I just don't know but I think a lot of I think the a lot of collectors that this comment references just you know are, are only are, are selectively seeing things and again I'm I don't I don't have a horse in the race personally I don't go I don't get into breaks. like the odd time I go into breaks but again um, I think I think it, it could be fanatics or anybody else that has the single license and we'd have a lot of the same the same complaints uh, for sure. I think so. Uh, Terp Enforcer says, and welcome to the show, Terp says, some people think the hobby is dying, but really the hobby is just correcting itself from COVID. Uh, I think that's a, that's exactly right. I mean, again, if you run the graphs and you just take out, you know, 2021, 20, uh, things are things are looking OK. As far as the, you know, cards from the old, as far as like, you know, vintage goes and, car, you know, pre-pa- pre-pandemic pre um, type of cards for sure. Uh, and then Adam Rips says, doesn't matter if Disney or Fanatics is bigger, Filth Bomb is bigger than both combined. Adam Ripps, welcome to the show. Yeah. N- n- nice uh, tongue-in-cheek comment, but we we get the sentiment uh, for sure. All right. Um Let me ask you this here, because a lot of you know there is this distinction, Stephen, between customers of group breaks and people who like ripping wax versus people who just want to buy singles. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of customers of of, a lot of group break customers (coughs) are getting their cards and then they're they're selling them. They're they're selling them to get more money to either buy singles or go into more group breaks. My question is, how do we as a hobby and how do you as a group breaker? work to convert some of these breaking customers into lifelong collectors is that possible are you doing anything to do that what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean it's easier to do with the baseball collector for sure because uh like we spoke about in the past you and i you know the baseball collector there's somebody for everyone so when we run player breaks for example and in baseball, we're selling Ernie Banks. We're selling Johnny Bench. We're selling Dale Murphy. We're selling Julio Rodriguez. We're selling Wyatt Langford. And all these guys sell, you know? So it's like you do have the diehard collector. You have a 28-year-old out there that actually wants to buy an Ozzy Smith autograph, right? Like, that's pretty cool. And it's like, it's very, um, it goes very hand in hand. But then at the same token, you try to do a player break on football and you try to sell Roger Staubach spot Good luck. I don't know. I I could. Nobody wants a Rodgers. Like they do, but they don't in card world, right? Somebody will wait online for an autograph from him, but nobody wants his card. Um, But they're just chasing Pickett, Burrow, Herbert, Tua. And there's like the top 1% on the checklist, and then no one else. Everyone else is dead. Like you can't move anyone. So it's a lot of.
0: I've got a buddy in the hobby who likes to say, and I think he says it half tongue in cheek. But if you're if you're on Instagram and you follow people, you probably follow this guy. He likes to say uh, that nobody collects football cards, and you know because listen, people open football cards, and I have a I have a small football collection. I think I have what maybe eighteen to twenty cards in my in my personal football collection. Um, what what is your what is what is your perspective your per, your perspective of football? Hobby, I'll call them hobbyists, so I don't have to call them collectors. Football hobbyists versus baseball hobbyists and basketball and even hockey hobbyists.
1: So, like, everyone is a collector but an investor at the same time, right? So, like, football cards and basketball cards are way too volatile. It's like crypto. And baseball cards are a lot more safe, a lot more conservative. Um, You're not going to see the... Huge, huge, huge jump, unless it's like once in a generation, Otani, something like that. But football, man, it's week to week. You know, somebody could be selling for 10x, and now he's minus 10x the next week. um Basketball, the same way. So I do think um there's like, oh, it's so hard, man. It's uh, because people do collect, right? but not to the same. Like, I feel like baseball is the true collectors and uh, people don't collect the same way on the other sports. It is. I want to stay away from the word gambling. Cause they're not really gambling, but they're looking to buy to flip. Right. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think baseball has a bit of both. Ba- I think my thoughts on, on, you know, the strength of the collector bases are baseball has the strongest foundation of collectors right from vintage until modern. There are people who've been collecting top sets from 1954 until 2024 they want them all right so i think that's our 52 i think that that's a very strong collector base but it also has the prospectors which is really you know it's 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 like i i i i relate it to day trading and i'm i know there are many differences but that's just kind of how i compare it i look at that as kind of the day trading where the collector or the investor of of vintage cards is more of the long term investor in the financial markets then I think second most healthiest foundation is in hockey hockey has a very strong foundation of collectors it has its prospectors too but at a much to a much lower degree all else being equal relatively speaking to base to baseball and then you've got basketball which is you know it's kind of it's it's hot it's lots of the flipper mentality lots of the, mo- the most recent rookie, lots of money that goes into, you know, similar to football with the quarterbacks and football is where I'm not so sure, because I think that like, I know there are people that collect vintage football, but I wanted to sort of, you know, first of all, get your thoughts on what I just went through. And then, you know, when it comes to football, any sport, really investors, people who are who are hobbyists with an investment mindset are going to look to the, to the goats of the sport Basketball, it's easy to identify. Hockey, it's pretty easy. Baseball, a little bit harder, but still, you know, there's lots of great, great players in the history. And then football, it's like, you know, who are the go? Like, we'll come. Joe Montana, Barry Sanders come to mind for me. And then, of course, Tom Brady, you know, goes without saying. I, wanna, I want you to lead off your, you know, your response to this with, like, who are people collecting Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman and Joe Montana and Dan Marino and, and John Elway and all these guys, Randy Moss, even all these guys through the eighties and nineties, uh, that Jerry Rice, I might've said him already. Like, do these guys have in your, in your estimate, a loyal collector base?
1: Yeah, but I don't, it's so weird. I don't think it's a collect card collector base. I think it's a memorabilia collector base they have those guys that are willing to wait on the tri-star line for like eight hours, you know, to get a meet and greet. Whereas, I mean, I think the perfect way to see it is just look at like the downtown sales, right? Go look at a Barry Sanders and then compare him to a superstar vet. That's not a quarterback right now. And it's like, the sales aren't very strong, you know, like Saquon Barkley sells for as much as Barry Sanders on the downtown Saquon's, mm, you know, I think it's more memorabilia for those kind of guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then what about, you know, I actually, we're going to go to comments because th- this helps a, a lot here. Dan, Dan, here says there are tables at vintage card shows with just football and, and just basketball. And they have just as much foot traffic as baseball tables. I mean, I don't, I don't buy that Dan personally. I mean, I've been to all the card shows. Well, not all of them, but many of them. And um, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that now with basketball, there's really only, you know, three vintage sets before 1970, you know, it really is, there's not, there's not a lot of of choice there. So that's a a huge, uh, just a a huge barrier against there being a ton of vintage basketball collectors, but then the set, then 68 or 69 hits and you've got, you got a lot more sets. And I think there are collectors of of that. And especially when you have, especially in the 1980 tops when that came out, I think now you're seeing people who collect 80 tops And then the kind of maybe the odd people that 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 dabble in in star. And then '86 Fleer is when it really obviously starts. And of course Upper Deck in 1991. But there, and I agree with Dan. There are collectors of basketball and football for sure. There are, but on a like per capita basis within the sport, I think I think I think it it's just very small compared to uh, baseball and hockey for that matter. And Turpin Forster says, basketball has a strong Asia-Europe market that keeps basketball strong with America. Yeah, like that's that's a great call out right there too, Turp. I definitely uh, agree with that. And there was a comment about soccer. Decoy says, soccer won't get mentioned, but they're incredibly dedicated. So much history in it globally that North America is a bit behind on it due to the other sports. I think we're behind on it because we just don't care as much. I, I don't think nor- like, North Americans care if you have a connection to your your team over in Europe. But for the most part, North Americans don't care nearly as much about soccer as they do about baseball in the States, hockey in Canada. The NFL is, is a beast in and of itself. So, um, St- uh, Stephen, any comments on that kind of stuff?
1: Well, To Decoy's comment, I haven't been tracking it closely, closely, but hasn't the soccer market in general tanked? That's what, that's what I'm seeing because I have some, like, really nice Mbappe stuff, and it's just down. So much, so it's like they might have a dedicated fan base or collector base, but they're not necessarily driving up the prices of soccer cards right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. John here says, Uh, are Jeremy, are you excited about Upper Deck adding a one of one young guns? Um, that's a great question, John. I think it was inevitable, first of all. I think it was inevitable, but your question is, Am I excited about it? I listen. I'm somewhat indifferent, John. I, I think it's going to add excitement, especially when when series two comes out with the Connor Bedard. That will be interesting, and I'll I'd like you to ask me again at that time. Uh, but I can I can tell you unequivocally I don't own a single young guns. I I people come up to me at card shows and say, are you looking to buy or trade? And they show me young guys. I say I don't I don't do young guns. I I I deliberately just don't do young guns. For what it's worth, there's no real great reason for it. I just everyone else has them, so I don't do young guns. Now, not everyone else has the one of one, um, but does it? Am I excited about it? I don't think I'm excited. I'm interested. I'm interested in. How about you, Stephen? I know you don't do a lot of hockey, but what are your thoughts on that?
1: I know that card's gonna go. mm, That one of one bedard's gonna go crazy. That's a type of card that's gonna bring people into the hockey space that aren't in the hockey space. Right. Which in turn should drive up hockey
0: and there's going to be there will be bounties placed on that card i'm i'm obviously convinced of that do you are you willing to put a a, i just take a guess what you think we'll see in terms of bounties on the Connor bedard one of one i forget what outburst or sun sunburst uh do you know what's? i forget what they're called um
1: so let's do this do you know because i don't know comps on hockey what's the mcdavid go for just a psa 10
0: just a PSA ten young gun, yeah. Like, like I think they're like twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars, maybe, in there somewhere. All
1: right. So what's Bedard in this market is probably going to do? What like seven eight hundred bucks, maybe,
0: for a PSA ten?
1: Yeah, because it's going to be way more of them, right?
0: <coughs> it's going to be more. I think exactly. raw they're going to come out at a grand. All right. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the allure. And I know the allure yeah. of the yeah. most of the hottest, most recent rookie. first
1: comps and everything. Yeah. All right. So what do you think they settle in at? Like fifteen hundred oh, yeah. or two K. He can't go for more than McDavid, can it?
0: Oh, sure, it can.
1: You, you think who settles in at that?
0: Well, set how long down the road? Like I mean, it, it's,
1: it's three months. Three months. Yeah, the first so, I mean, PSA ten after it
0: sale. comes out will be in the summer. It's a tough time, right? PSA, are we talking PSA ten? Or are we talking raw?
1: Yeah, just PSA ten. If a McDavid does, you said twenty five hundred.
0: I I could be with three grand call it somewhere in there. All right.
1: So like, what can the bounty be then on that one of one? What's it worth? That was my next question. What's it going to be worth? So is is 100K too high or too low?
0: I think it's going to be more personally. So,
1: all right, so then oh, if you had the opportunity to buy it, right? Funds, unlimited funds, you have the opportunity to buy it. 250K, is that what the card's worth?
0: I can see, yeah. Turp, just put that in the chat, right? As you said, I could see it being. I could see. I can see the bounty being two fifty minimum. I can see the bounty being half a million on that card.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. If the card's two fifty, the bounty's got to be more. So, like, I could see like a half a milli on the bounty. I really could. Yeah, me too. Me too. More maybe if somebody wants to stir stir it up, they could have a milli on the bounty.
0: I can. I could see it being. I can see it being encroaching upon a million uh for for the one-on-one Connor bedard i mean he's hurt right now which might hurt his young guns upon release a little bit but right now it, it's not hurting his cards that are out there uh he's you know he seems to be the real deal i don't think he's as good as mcdavid i don't think he'll be as good as mcdavid but that doesn't really matter in the in the card market it doesn't really yeah. matter it's all about potential he now has 20 years ahead of him to win stanley cups and win heart trophies and art ross trophies whereas McDavid has the hearts and the Art Rosses, but he doesn't have the Stanley. And, and, you know, Bedard, also, there's 20 years to win the Stanley Cup. McDavid needs to win the Stanley Cup for his prices to, I think, stay where they are in the long term, or at least, you know, continue along the same path that they've been on uh, over time. So, um, yeah, I I think that but the Bedard hype is real, and uh, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Will he be the second best player in the league? I mean, maybe. It's gonna be, you know, you got you got a few other good guys up there with Pasternak and Kucherov and Nathan McKinnon, who's just beast moding right now. Um, you know, stuff tough to say. A lot of, and I want a lot of people to understand this too. The Edmonton Oilers today won their 16th game in a row. And they're one away from the league record, so two away from owning the record. But if you look at who they beat over those games, not including today it's like no one no team is better than 15th in the league. So all the teams that they beat along the way are in the bottom half of the of the of the NHL standing. So as impressive as it is, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I don't want to take anything away from. Them. I think it's awesome, but but anyway, all of that there. DeCoy cards here says if you pull it yourself hide it then buy up every case you can. Yeah, right? If you Wouldn't pull the card, it? right? I mean, that's hmm. that's market manipulation at at, at its finest, but Whoever, if someone does it on on the down low, um, that's a strategy that somebody might take, right? So,
1: not regulated. Hey, I said unregulated. Again, it's not regulated. It's not
0: exactly. All right, man. We're we're getting to uh, to the point of winding this up. Um, Actually, let's do this comment here. I want to get your answer to this. Bob's big boy just puts this, and aren't these bounties unhealthy in the long term? Feels like another step towards games of chance and lotto scratch-offs feels like a artificial stimulus aren't the cards strong enough on their own so what do you see the 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 bound the, the world of bounties on some i'll leave it up the world of bounties on some of these big big cards we've seen recently uh what do you think is it unhealthy in the long run
1: i mean it's unhealthy if it's being like the Jordan Walker debut patch bounty was put out by a collector that wanted the card. The Brady 12 of fifties put out by a collector that wants the card, you know? So it's like, that's what that person wants. Somebody wants to put a price on it themselves. It's, it's a bounty, but it's from a collector that wants that in their collection. It's never going to leave the bounties by like David Adams. I mean, they could do whatever they want at the end of the day because they're selling the wax as well. So they're putting their money where their mouth is. You know, if you hit it and you want to sell it to us for 500k, we'll take it. You know, so it's it's not really lotto of scratch off. It's somebody putting a price on it, and the card that putting a price on isn't worthless to begin with. So That's it's just right. an extra incentive.
0: It's a yeah. I I think I I agree with that last bit right there. In that with or without the bounty there 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 already are there already are unspoken bounties on these cards because you know as soon as you get that you hit that card yourself you're going to be able to cash in bounty or not you're going to be able to cash in i think that i think really the sentiment from bobs big boy is is the fact that they're out there kind of like is it is it is it just helping to drive the demand for the unopened product which of course it is i have to think that when some when a when an lcs puts out a bounty on a card part in their mind, it must be to drive demand. Do, do you like why, what do you see the benefits are for a Dave and Adams to put, why are they putting bounties on cards? Do you think?
1: I mean, they're selling the wax themselves, you know, on their site. So if it's going to drum up traffic and you're going to make more sales, I'm sure, you know, if the card's worth hundred K 300 K and you're, Pay more than it's worth, you're making it back on the wax, you know, in the volume that they do. And it's, it makes it fun too. At the end of the day, it's like, it's a chase. Everyone wants to treasure hunt, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Mark Santucci tries to rank the hockey players. So Mark, I think you have, so you say one McDavid, two McKinnon, three Matthews, I think one and two are right. I think three is more or less in uh, the sixth spot, I put I put four and f- I put three and four as Kucherov and Pasternak, and uh, yeah, that's where I that's where I've got them. And then I put Matthews uh, beneath them both, actually personally. Um, yeah, Turpin Forster agrees with these things as they recover that money from wax sales. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you know part of these part of these bounties is to help elevate the value of the unopened product, which is speaks to Big Boy's comment. I mean, it is. It is an artificial stimulus. But at the end of the day, if they're going to cut that check. And again, guys, you listen, I'm not judging it here. But what I will say is that it is the landscape that we are in. We are in that landscape. So we can we can critique it and judge it and and, and, and talk about it all we want. But at the end of the day the only thing that's going to matter to you as an individual is how you adapt and respond to it yourself. Right. Everybody, you know, most of us we're we're big boys and girls out there. We can decide what we want to do. And if that, if you want to, if you want to uh, you know, I'll, I'll just use the simple term fall for it. Well, that's on you. I mean, that that's on you. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'll take responsibility for myself. In this in this space, I'm not going to take responsibility for anybody else. If you're if you are gonna do that and you're gonna buy more product at the elevated price because there are bounties out there on it, good, you have a chance at cashing in on that bounty. So listen, I'm not saying I, I like it or don't like it, I'm just saying that it's the world we live in, and as a participant in this hobby, I'm gonna adapt accordingly so that it works for me. And I and I implore you all to do what you need to do. To make it work for you as well, so
1: you know what on all
0: that, Stephen.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it's just marketing. It's no different, no different than the Monopoly game at McDonald's. It's no different. They're driving sales for you to buy more McDonald's, and you're trying to get Park Place. You know, and it's a race to the million. It's the same thing, and they're gonna give it to you if you get it. It's just it's marketing.
0: Oh there there is one catch to that specific example, which was that whole thing was rigged back in the day because you
1: know, <laughs> it might have been. I don't know, but there's a
0: documentary on it, yeah but and and then so so now you know that even at the level of McDonald's, these things can be rigged and it was someone I think at the at the audit company it was actually one of their auditors, I believe that uh, that went sideways on the whole thing. And so you know again, proceed accordingly, guys. It's like foul five ball said earlier. I don't, I don't like breaking. I buy my own cards. Great. Foul five Ball has figured out how to exist in the hobby and remain happy with his activities. Y'all can do that too. No one is putting a gun to your head and saying, you know, buy this product or that product Buy the product that there's bounties out on. And you, you, you may not hit the big, the big card. No one's, no one's putting guns to our heads. So I, I just, you know, be accountable to yourself, take responsibility and, um, yeah, proceed the way that's gonna make sense to you and allow you to remain in the hobby. Hopefully, you're happy in the hobby. A lot of people are. We have a lot of a lot of disgruntled hobbyists who stay in anyway. It's like misery loves company, you know. They it's like they like to punish themselves. That, that's fine too. We need those people out there because they are also opening products and helping us get more products into the secondary market where a lot of us like to operate. So, I mean, yeah, I'm all I'm all for product getting opened one way or another i just want the people doing it to not put themselves into financial distress that's really important to me i don't want anybody to be in financial trouble especially if you have a family i mean you know get help if you need it get help if you need it right agree play at your own risk says michael um tom newman says this is a great episode thank you tom dave kaplan appreciates the comment, foul fireball says bounties might be business tax deductible. Yes, they are. As soon as you write a check for something, that now becomes, well, they're buying a piece of inventory, they're going to eventually sell that piece of inventory, and they're going to get to write off the cost of goods sold on it at that time, I believe, at that time, so... Um, all right. And Mark Santucci says I'm 85% happy in the hobby. Mark, that's a good that's a good rate. I, I don't think any of us are happy a lot of the time. You know, you own a card, you see it go down in value, you might not be as happy. People, a lot of people say, I don't care if my cards go to zero. I'm gonna be happy. I'm you know, I don't look at these as investments. Good for them. Those guys are really lucky that they can afford to have their cards go down to zero. Personally, I can't. I'm gonna get sad if my <laughs> cards go down to zero. You know, I'm not gonna be the happiest. The happiest kid in canada if that happens but but i'm also gonna know that i put myself into this and i'm not gonna blame anybody i'm gonna only look at look in look into myself so anything on that steve
1: everybody just do what you want in the hobby whatever makes you happy at the end of the day it is a hobby i say i used to say it when i broke every single day the main thing is you're having fun on the stream because we're not going to be able to take any of this stuff with us when we're gone. So like, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're collecting, no matter what you're buying it's just to satisfy you and make you feel complete in this lifetime. Because when it's all done, it's all done. None of it matters anyway. Just enjoy it.
0: Yeah. No fair, fair for sure. Uh, Michael here says, Steven has a great last name. Must've been first in attendance at school. Abandandolo, that's how you say it. Abandandolo. I yep. got it, right? You got it. Nailed it. I nailed it. I didn't in my opening. I, I I flubbed it up in the opening, Stephen, but I I got it now. I got it now for sure. All right, anything uh you'd like to leave the any any words of wisdom, anything you'd like to leave the audience with before we uh before we wind this up.
1: I mean I just want everyone to be positive and optimistic about what's to come. Uh, whether you get in breaks, whether you just buy cars from your LCS, whether you just go on eBay and buy singles, um, the main thing is we're all in this hobby right now together, no matter what segment you're in, and it's getting stronger, and everyone should be happy about that. No matter what part of it you're in, I could almost guarantee that segment has also been getting stronger over the last year, over the last two, three years. So it's like, enjoy the ride. I truly do believe... We haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg was COVID. Now we're leveling out. But what's going to happen with this hobby is going to be like 20X COVID when it's all said and done, when all the pieces are in place, when all the athletes are under the same license, when it's just going to be, I see celebrities getting involved, like, you're going to have a license. Like I really truly believe you're going to have a licensed tops product where you're chasing Drake, you know, you're chasing Kanye, but then you're also chasing Ruth in the same product. Like it's going to be, you know, everything under one umbrella. And it's going to, it's going to be like a different world than we're living in right this second.
0: Yeah. And listen, people are going to complain about that. They're going to say, I'm not buying sports cards to hit cards of Drake or whoever, but don't buy that product. Then like you don't, that's the thing. There's going to be options for you. and as much as many products as a fanatics or a panini or an upper deck or leaf makes that you don't like, there's going to be just as many that, that maybe you do. And that's the, you know, think about how far we've come back in the seventies and eighties, you know, you had maybe three products to choose from. Maybe if you were lucky in the seventies, you had one, right? Most of the eighties you had one in, in, in at least a couple sports. So now you have your option of like 20 or 30 and you don't have to like them all. That's why they make so many because they're making them for different segments of the of the, of the community. They're not making every product for every person. So if you don't like a product, they the comp, card company doesn't care that you don't like one of their products. If you don't like a hundred percent of their products, they're going to care a bit more. But if you like one of them, they're probably going to be a little bit happy that you like at least one of them because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to cover all the different segments and 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 even all the different. Uh, price points so that you know people can buy in for a hundred you know i don't know what the price points are but say 80 bucks a box or 150 or ten thousand dollars they're gonna try and hit all those different price points so that people can take part in it uh, at at all different uh levels uh bob's big boy here says you know isn't it an assumed sense of hobby omniscience i don't even know what that means if we declare that these ten cards have not been hit, isn't there a chance that someone has one? I don't think anyone's declaring that they're not hit, because that would that would be irresponsible. That'd be completely irresponsible. It's like you need that disclaimer that these cards might have been hit. But he says, yeah. "Is there isn't there a chance that someone has one or more of these cards in their PC and kept it hush hush?" Yeah, that's what we were talking about before. Uh, we talked about that before in the in the context of the Bedard discussion, Big Bob's big boy, and I think there's completely that possibility. And that's why you have to proceed accordingly. 100% have to proceed accordingly. 86 says, my wife isn't getting anything. I'm taking my Crosby rookie with me. <laughs> Bob's big boy. Love the show and filth bomb content. Keep up the great work, all parties. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Mark Santucci. Always appreciate it. Thanks, 86. Says, great show as always. Thank you both for your time. Turpin Forrester. Jeremy, I love your shows. Always informative. Thank you so much, Turp. And Eric Stefano says, awesome show, guys. You nailed it. Thank you. Eric: All right guys, we are going to wrap this one up. We are going to uh we're going to come in a couple minutes under 2 hours, which is great where we like to get. So with that, Stephen, final opportunity to say your last words of the show and um you know, give us a you know, you're an entrepreneur. You 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 chase something you wanted to do, you wanted to you wanted to do something that made you happy in life versus being an accountant and I can completely completely identify with that. Exactly with that, so give us a give us some words of encouragement before we sign off.
1: What I would say to everyone in there, anyone in the chat right now, right is we only have one life. we're only gonna live one life. Um, you got to be happy. and if you're doing something right now that you don't necessarily like, don't be afraid to take that chance and do something that you do like. You might be you know, you might be strapped financially, you might not be able to take that chance, but I promise you, if you take that leap and you do Something you love and you give it 150%, it will not feel like you're working and you'll be able to get to where you need to go to be successful. That that would be my final words for everyone in the show right now. Do what you love and it's really true. You'll feel like you never work another day in your life.
0: Follow your dreams and passion. Don't, you know, believe in yourself, right? Take some, uh, take some you know, if you got you gotta just keep in context you know it depends if you have if, if you have a family and you got to pay the bills and you can't afford to go a year without making much money just be careful with be careful with some of the risks you take but we don't, I do agree Stephen we only live one so make the most of it uh Michael thank you so much foul fireball says I'm happy to have this hobby I have my opinions and stick to them they might not all be positive that's okay Jeremy Bob's big boy what is the bounty on growing a coach Co mustache Very good. Very good. And John Yo says, you need to be a realistic Chase Bob. That's a one of one for sure. All right, guys. Thank you to the chat for joining us. (coughs) Excuse me. Fighting this cough still. Thank you to the chat. Appreciate all your comments and questions. Hey, Stephen, thank you for coming on, man. Had fun. Happy to... I I told you earlier, I don't think I've ever had a break on, but I did. I had one on probably three years ago now, maybe three and a half years ago. So you're the first one in that amount of time. So thanks for coming on, and thanks for facing some of the tough questions along the way. Appreciate it. Of course. So thank you.
1: No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Had a great time.
0: You are welcome. All right, guys. That's it for Saturday night. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next Saturday as well. We'll see you tomorrow on the PWCC Weekly Hockey and Monday on the MC Mondays Live. And with that, this episode of Sports Cards Live is over. Steve, you stay right there.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.